Welcome to SNAP, Survivors of Narcissistic and Abusive Personalities. This educational recovery podcast is presented by Claremont Mental Health and Mandy Friedman, licensed professional clinical counsellor. This presentation contains vital information for survivors of abuse. Topics include the spectrum of abusive personalities, targets of abuse, abusive relationships, and survivors in recovery. We hope this information helps you gain solid footing and clarity as you navigate your road to recovery. Mandy Friedman here, licensed professional clinical counselor, clinically certified domestic violence counselor, clinically certified trauma professional level two, the creator of SNAP Survivors of Narcissistic and Abusive Personalities, and the owner of Claremont Mental Health. I'm back today with Michelle Manette. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Would you mind introducing yourself to us again so everybody can know who you are and about your practice? Yes, I am Michelle Manette. Use she, her pronouns. I am a certified holistic life coach that focuses on helping people heal from narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships and the owner of F All That Wellness Coaching. And since you work with survivors of narcissistic abuse, that would mean that one of the main topics that comes up is boundaries. Right? All the time all the time that's something that our clients have to learn how to do and practice and it doesn't feel very good at first and everybody gets mad at you because they're not used to it it's a whole big thing and it's also a requirement for a healthy not a healthy life in recovery it is a requirement that you become a boundary setting badass it takes lots of practice and we have to learn about boundaries and so today michelle is going to teach us about boundaries, requests, and ultimatums, and what's the difference? Right. I would even argue that a majority of us, all of us probably, suck at boundaries. I don't think it's something that we're taught, you know, very well. I don't think that our parents do a good job of teaching us what they are. I think we're doing better over the generations, but, and I would also argue that a majority of anybody's uh, clients that are coming in for mental health help are also learning about boundaries. And I could maybe throw in, you might agree that women especially are not taught how to set boundaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just because they're socialized to not say no, you know, but any child that grows up in an environment that finds their self-worth in doing for others is going to need help most likely professional help in learning how to set better boundaries so when we're helping someone set a boundary we're helping them conceive of what are boundaries but then we're also helping them implement them and most people think that when you go to set a boundary that you go and you have a talk with a person and you say you can't do this anymore and you need to change your behavior but that's not really what boundaries are so with these with these sort of headings for today of requests, ultimatums, and boundaries, um, where should we start? What do you think the the is the best starting place? Well, let's start with um, 
I mean, let's start with requests, right? Because I think oftentimes we make requests, people make requests and they think that they're setting a boundary, right? but they don't realize there's a whole lot that you have to take into consideration when you're setting a boundary. Me just saying, hey, could you not sing at the top of your lungs over top of my favorite song, right? That's merely a request. I don't have any power over whether or not you choose or to do that or choose not to do that. I mean, it might have consequences for whether or not I hang out with you as a friend. And then we're overlapping and starting to get into boundaries a little bit there, but only a little, right? I would still say that's a request. Requests are about preferences, right? But oftentimes people are like, well, I asked them not to. Well, I told them not to. And what were you willing to do? What action were you willing to take if they didn't comply with your requests? So a request would be something like, hey, would you mind not discussing my personal information with so-and-so? Yes. Yeah, you're just making a request. So then a boundary is a defined limit determined by what is acceptable versus unacceptable behavior for you, right? And every aspect of life boundaries are set by what is tolerated, what's tolerated at work, at home, and all other settings where we engage with others. When we set boundaries, we're setting boundaries for what we're going to accept or not accept into our life. Usually that's because it brings pain or a higher degree or level of discomfort. It's a behavior um, or an action that we are not going to tolerate. So like your example, right? You were just simply making a request. Please don't talk about my personal issues with so-and-so. A boundary would be if you talk to so-and-so about my personal information, then we're, I'm not going to be able to share my personal information with you anymore. Okay. Right? So I would say, would you mind not, I would prefer it if you do not discuss my personal information with this person. Mm -hmm. If it continues and um, I learn that you're still discussing those things with them, then I will feel like that I'm not safe to share my personal information with you at that point. Yeah. But that's not, that's about what I do then. That's then about what, the way I'm handling it. When it we move over into the boundary area, I notice that now it's mostly about what, what I'm gonna expose myself to or what I'm gonna participate in. Exactly. And when you set a boundary, again, it's all about you, right? You don't have to tell somebody what the consequences are, what you're going to do. You just have to be aware of what you're going to do if that behavior continues because you've decided it's unacceptable for you to have in your life. Right. And so you can say, please don't share my information with this person. And you've set a boundary because in your head, you know, that you're not going to continue the friendship with them or you're going to change the nature of the friendship with them if they don't comply with the boundary that you set. Yes. Okay. Now, if I said, would you please do this? And if you don't do this, then I'm going to have to do such and such. That's 
not a threat either. It's not something that you're holding over someone, and it's also not a punishment, but it is how that gets characterized often is that you're punishing the person because they're not doing what you want them to do. Right. So this is where it gets a little cloudy for some people because it comes down to intent and delivery. Right. So you can be like, if you tell them that I did this, I'm never talking to you again. Right. Um, although that does kind of sound like a good boundary, doesn't it? I need to <laughs> But then how is that, what's the difference between that then and an ultimatum? Because that sounds kind of like an ultimatum. Right. So an ultimatum, right, might be like, if you don't start doing the dishes, we're not having sex. See how those, like, those are not related. It's set out of frustration. And it's to control another person's behavior. What about this right? one? If you don't go to therapy, I'm filing for divorce. That's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. So, and I think, and this is where we get into the gray areas, right? Because ultimatums are an attempt to control what somebody else does by manipulating them into behavior that's different than they would otherwise do due to fear of punishment. Right? And so... This is when more like threatening people, it. It is, is a threat. threat. Okay. We get down to like when we talk about manipulation, what we're saying is sometimes you're, you're using persuasion, right? You're using persuasion to control somebody, right? And so I would say if you don't go to therapy, and there are times where, um, you know, I've heard people say that and it hasn't phased me one bit. And there are other times I've heard people say it and I've been like, oh, you know, um, because I think if it comes down to you have to engage in this behavior, right? What is really happening there? What are you really asking the person, right? Who are you to determine that they need to go to therapy? What is the part of their behavior that's negatively affecting you? And that's what you focus on. I don't like it that you call me names. If you continue to call me names, this conversation's over. If you continue to call me names, I'm leaving the relationship. That's different. That's very specific. And that's a boundary to protect myself. But saying, if you don't better yourself, I don't know. It sounds like an ultimatum. It kind of does. You know, it's a threat and it's trying to control what they do. Um, now, it could be said that I, if I'm the one issuing that ultimatum, then you know, I'm actually trying to control not just what that person does, but I'm trying to control my own life because I would prefer to be around someone who's healthier. Right. So then why not leave and go get somebody who's healthier? Yes. Right. You know, you see what I mean, like yeah. you've already determined that they're not healthy. Yeah. So you were making, so before you get to the ultimatum, I would, I would guess you're making requests until you don't get what you want and then it reaches an ultimatum. And what you're doing is you're skirting all around the whole purpose for having relationships, which is intimacy, which is vulnerability. Because it's easier for me to say, hey, you're fucked up and you need to go to therapy instead of admitting when you call me names, it hurts my feelings. 
So setting boundaries in a relationship increases your ability to be vulnerable with that person. It increases the safety of the relationship for you so that you can feel more relaxed in the relationship, be yourself, not feel as drained. It serves so many purposes. But when we are already sort of not wanting to set boundaries because we've been trained not to, it's it's very easy to get tripped up on what's a request, what's the boundary, and what is an ultimatum because not only are we already mischaracterizing what we're doing in our head because we've been programmed to do so, but we're more than likely surrounded by people that don't like us to have boundaries, right? That's why we that's how we got into this situation to begin with. No right. one's thinking about your well-being, right? No one's thinking about your needs or how everything might be affecting you. Um, and so eventually you have to think about that for yourself and prioritize it for yourself since no one else around you is doing that. And what starts off, I think you're so right when you said that initially it starts off as a request. And then when that request is not honored, they come back to me and will say, I tried setting a boundary, but it didn't work. Right. 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 But you didn't. And I know that's the other thing I think where we get with requests and boundaries, you have to be willing to follow through on the action you said that you were going to take if you set a boundary, because otherwise then it's just a request. And the minute you don't follow through, you've trained the other person to not take your boundary setting seriously. So if you say, if you call me a name, the conversation's over and then they call you a name and you stay in that conversation, you set a precedent. I was speaking with someone earlier today about this and, you know, she is a, a woman in the age of retirement and um, very aware of, you know, gender norms and her role as the woman, you know, right. in her very long marriage. And um, she was saying, you know, how do I set boundaries? And, you know, this is what we were talking about, this exact thing. I'm explaining to her about boundaries being what she decides to do. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to control or get someone else to change their behaviors or the ways that they are, we don't get to do that. We just get to decide whether we're participating or not. Um, and she goes, okay, well, then how do I how do I get him to understand that what he's doing is hurting me? And maybe you know, I do need him to change some things. And when I described it in the way of when he says or does this, then you say or do this, right? And she goes, oh, behavior modification. I said, yes, behavior yeah. modification. Guess what? Retired teacher. Yes elementary school teacher. She knows about behavior modification. She knows how to encourage people in a positive way and help them make better choices. Um, and in a way, she wanted to, you know, apply that into her marriage of where where does my power end here? Where where does my influence end? Right. And, and I, I believe that's where we ended the conversation is the answer is behavior modification, potentially more pro-social, interactions that they're a little bit, you know, better for you making your life a little healthier, but where should we draw the line in terms of our expectations of what other people can do 
in terms of changing others, you know, where, where do we need to draw the line? Yeah, that's funny. I was having that conversation with a client earlier today too. Like, where do you draw the line? Right? Because the minute you don't give feedback to somebody about how, what they're doing is negatively affecting you, you've decided that there's no hope for that relationship. You know, and so we do to a certain point, owe others in our social contract that we have with each other, the feedback, right? The necessary for being able to continue in the relationship if it's something that we think could move forward. If that one flaw, that one issue were resolved. But also, we also need to sit back and just allow things to be and take the information in. And so if we've made a request, then the next thing to do is to set a boundary. So I wanna say again, boundaries, we set boundaries for us. There are contract with ourselves about what we're willing to expose ourselves to or not willing to expose ourselves to. So because of that, once we've gotten enough information to realize this isn't going to change, we owe ourselves the action we promised ourselves we would take. I've asked them, again, I'll just keep going back to the same example, I guess. I've asked them to talk to me about the problems that they have with me instead of yelling at me out of the blue. I've made that request several times. And to myself, I set a boundary that if it happens one more time, I'm going to limit my interactions with them. So then at that point, you limit your interactions with them. Now, we talked about how initially it'll start off kind of like a request. Then when the person doesn't honor the request, our clients get kind of shut down and they'll say, you know, it didn't work. And um, now what are some of the consequences of boundary setting? What are some of the potential things that will happen on the other side of you setting that boundary is something that we definitely need to prepare for and talk through ahead of time. When you first start setting boundaries, you need to, um, that sometimes, you know, you really need to evaluate the relationships you have in your life and ease into it. Right, because we don't want to destabilize our world mm -hmm. prematurely. And we have unspoken written social contracts with the people that we are in relationships with. We're not aware of them, but we've already set the expectations for the relationship. And so when you decide to live a healthier life and pay attention to boundaries, you need to give them a little bit of leeway. The relationship's a little bit of leeway because you're asking them to do something new. And so when you first start setting those boundaries, give it some time, have a little bit more patience with the people in your lives. And of course, some of the boundaries are huge red flags and they need to be set immediately. Obviously, you're going to discuss that with your support system or your mental health professional as you do that. But just be aware that you're asking somebody to live in a different way with you in their life at first. Right. And if they are so used to doing things a certain way, they're going to need reminders. And mm -hmm. if you are so sensitive to boundary setting, every time you have to remind them is excruciating for you. And you are likely to abandon the boundary just because you don't want to endure that feeling, that awkward feeling. But yeah. The point is just that because we're so used to how we do things, us and them, we need practice but that practice can be excruciating. And we just need to know that that's how it feels, that boundary setting can feel like you're doing something wrong 
and it can feel like you're hurting people. But you're not. It just feels that way. And you're going to have to endure that feeling and know that cognitively understand that you're doing the right thing. For example, if you have children and you've ever had to take them to some medical procedure that is scary or painful and you're they're trusting you, you know, you're taking your kid to get their tooth pulled or to get their blood drawn and the kid's looking at you like, I don't want to do this. And you're like, yeah, but you gotta. Yep, it is uncomfortable. It does taste bad. It does pinch. It does hurt. It is hot in here. That's true. It, those are uncomfortable things, but we still have to do it. That tooth has to come out. We are pulling the tooth, you know, and, and we're going to try to ease your pain as much as possible. But as your mother, I'm here to dole out the health. The tooth is coming out. And if we can take that same sort of love that we would give to someone else and give it to ourselves of, I got I to gotta get my tooth pulled. I want to, but I got to. And or like taking your medicine. You're going to have to take it. It's an uncomfortable part of becoming a healthier, healthier version of yourself. Um, but once you do it, I don't know. The way it looks from my chair. Now, I want to hear what Michelle has to say about this. But what it looks like from my end is that at first there's a lot of resistance. And then we have some, you know, practice where things don't go exactly well. And we keep, keep at it, keep at it. But then eventually there's this like turning of a corner and it's almost like all those resources that you were putting into those places that needed boundaries, those people, you recoup that. You you keep those resources now and you invest them in yourself. So I see this more refreshed person, a more, um, a more emotionally regulated person, a more confident person, someone who then can prioritize self-care. Then what happens when we prioritize self-care? More right. of those resources are now back in our system. What do you think, Michelle, when you see somebody finally doing boundary setting for the first time ever, what does it look like from your perspective? Yeah, it's the same. It's almost like there's this glow, right? Because even though it's uncomfortable, what you what you start to, to, to realize is that these things can exist at the same time. That's what they call like the dialectic, right? Like we've, we've, uh, equated feeling uncomfortable as, oh, something bad must be happening, right? But once you start to realize, this is why I love radical acceptance too, once you embrace radical acceptance and you practice it long enough, there's this calm that comes with the decision that you're making, even though there's a discomfort or it feels kind of yucky, right? The, the best decisions don't always feel good, but there's a calmness that comes with them, right? If you're paying attention to it. But then there's this empowerment, once you realize that you can sit with the discomfort and stick up for yourself, right? And be healthy with yourself and watch that other people are going to then honor that. The empowerment that comes with that, that burst of agency, you know, that floods into somebody's lives, it's, it's transforming. And what's awesome in our jobs is we get a front row seat to watch it happen, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I love when they come in later and like, guess what I did? I know. I a boundary. Listen to this story. <laughs> I yeah, said like, no. Yeah. I didn't have an explanation for it. Yeah. 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 I didn't explain myself. I just said, I'm not doing, I don't feel comfortable with this. And, and now I'm not doing it. And you know what I'm going to do during that time? I'm going to take care of me. Like, that's right, girlfriend. That's how we turn this ship around um, is you got to take those resources and you got to start investing them in yourself. So Michelle, 
I love these conversations. We're going to keep having them. Boundaries is a big one. We've tossed around some other ideas as well, but we'll get back together and we'll have more of these presentations because I think that they're very helpful. And I like having another perspective besides my own, as you know, because I don't know everything and um, we need all the people on board. So the more yeah. people are getting to know you, um, that means here's another professional that is a potential helper in your life. So it's not just me. We got Michelle out there too. She's in Cincinnati. She can help. There's others out there that can help you. If you like this podcast, subscribe and leave us a review. Find Mandy Friedman, LPCC, CCDVC on YouTube and Facebook. Join the SNAP Survivors of Narcissistic and Abusive Personalities Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at The Official Snap. Thanks for listening.